Thank you. 
morning, everyone. So, <laughs> we are going to start off with the song, The Days of Elijah. So if you would please rise and stand with us and sing along. Our next song is Every Day. 
Good morning, everyone. I want to share a little bit about this next song. It's called Never Once. And um, when I was a little girl growing up, I remember being at my grandma's house, and she always had this beautiful poem on the wall called Footprints. And this song is after that poem, and I thought I would read it for you. One night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with the Lord, across the sky flashed scenes of my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to the Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I noticed during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever, during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Yes, our hearts can 
invite you to be seated for a few moments. Got a couple announcements, or at least one. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand once again as we hear the word of the living God. I'm behind the plastic so I can uncover my face. Two sections of scripture I'll be using for the scripture text this morning. The first one comes from the very end of the book, from the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter, beginning at verse 11. And then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were, win who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The ending of the first lesson. Secondly, from the prophet Daniel. The ending of his prophecy, the 12th chapter, the first three verses. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightest of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, for the words of your prophets, words that come to speak not only to those who had ears to hear back then, but to those of our day who have ears to hear, ears to hear. May we hear your voice 
May we know your promise. And may we trust the wondrous works that you've done that we might have life and salvation in your beloved Son, our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name that I pray it. Amen. And you may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, our Savior, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, I was thinking that as we've been watching things sort of spin out of control, and it seems like each week another type of or a portion of our normal and stability seems to be spinning even more and more out of control. Whether it's the, the, the craziness of people who are rejecting sane rule in our country, the horrendous explosion in Beirut, Lebanon that took over 140 lives, wasn't quite a fertilizer bomb, but it was the same kind of components. And the question is, is more revolution going to take place over in the Middle East right now? And the uncertainty of, of a bug that we can't see with our eyes, but certainly has us handcuffed in many ways. We can't greet one another with a holy kiss as Paul encourages the believers to do. We're in a world that sort of spins out of control, and, and maybe the question comes, Lord, are we getting close to the end? Is that vortex getting so far down that there's nothing standing there to stop it? Thought it might be helpful to, to quickly look at what the promises God gives to us in his word. One of the things that both of these lessons, the one from Revelation and the one from the prophet Daniel, one of the things that we gather together is that there is going to be a time when the end of normal is going to be a reality. Now, that might take place while we still breathe, or it may take place when we've been laid into the dust of death. We don't know. We don't have a certainty about when. But God's word tells us a lot about the what, even if we don't have the when. When Jesus talks about, in, in the Gospels, about the end of, of the world and the time as we've known it, he talks about things such as tribulations, great tribulations. There's going to be time of massive, growing troubles everywhere. And for his people, there is going to be deliverance for the dead. There's going to be resurrection and all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In Matthew 24, it talks about that great judgment. And they will be gathered together and separated as the sheep and the goats. And judgments will take place. 
That is a future. And whether we're alive to see it or God resurrects us to see it, it is a truth of what is heading our way. If you brought your Bible with you today, please open to Daniel, the 12th chapter. If yours is sitting home on the table from devotions earlier, right there next to the hymnal, there is a Bible just crying for you to hold it. It's so lonesome there. The book of Daniel, the last of the major prophets, chapter 12, the first three verses of what we're going to be looking at. Times of distress and despair, like Jesus talks about. First part of verse 1, Daniel chapter 12. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. The archangel Michael is probably the, the best known of the chief angels that God has working for him. Mentioned five times by name in the Bible and a sense of a number of other references that are probably Michael, the archangel. Three times here in the book of Daniel, he's talked about in the letter of Jude and also in the final book, the book of Revelation. And we find out that that God has chosen the archangel Michael to have special responsibilities to sort of guard and protect the, the apple of God's eye, the Jewish people, the one who brought us the law, the ones who brought us the prophets, the ones who brought us the promises, the ones who brought us our Savior, the ones who brought us the written word of God, those special people. And God has chosen the archangel Michael to, to have a special care and concern in protecting them. If you want to talk about God's choosing of Michael, it's sort of like Michael is the four-star general of the army angels of God. The Lord God of Sabaoth, you may remember from some of the old liturgy songs. That Sabaoth has nothing to do with the Sabbath. It has everything to do with the armies of God. And it appears that Michael is the angel who is the four-star general over those. Now, there's, there's other angels that are named, the next maybe well-known one is one by the, the name of Gabriel. Gabriel is mentioned a number of times here in Daniel. And, and also, when we get to the, to the Advent and Christmas story, going to have to wait until December for that, Gabriel shows up, and, and his primary work is that of a messenger. By the way, uh, angelos, angel, primarily means messenger. Uh, the, the good message is the euangelon. The, that's the gospel, the good message. And, 
And Gabriel is one who is seemingly very prime in bringing messages from God to his people, as well as bringing messages back from God's people to him. Wonderful things that God has done sending angels, because we're not in this all alone. Yeah, we know we have his spirit who dwells within us. Jesus living in our heart through faith. But that's not all. He also sends his angels to guard and protect us. Many years ago, probably a quarter of a century ago now, I read the writings of a, a wonderful novelist by the name of Frank Peretti. lived on Vashon Island. And, and a series of books that he wrote uh, were so powerful. This present darkness and piercing the darkness. And it shows the picture of, of believers and those who follow the enemy, but also shows us the ministry of angels in our midst. The letter to the Hebrews talks about how, how God has sent those ministering spirits and, and how people have even in their caring and loving of others, ministered to these angels, and they weren't even aware of it. God uses angels in a wonderful way. Well, let's go on with verse 1 of Daniel 12. And there shall be a time of trouble, as has never been since there was a nation until that time. Remember what Jesus said? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and all this stuff is going to fall apart. Well, the word nation, don't think of it as a city-state like the United States of America or Canada or China. That's not what the word means when he says nation. The Greek word for nation is the word ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity. The United States of America is so filled with a variation of ethnoses. We have so many nations. More than a century ago, two centuries ago, they understood. And when treaties were being made with the Native Americans and broken and remade and then rebroken, and it was always with a nation. The Chukshaw Nation, the Blackfoot Nation, all these, they were ethnicities. We see in our day one ethnic group in our country rising against other ethnic groups. Don't be surprised. That's what our future is going to hold. And it's not only the nations, the ethnicities, it's also the kingdoms. Those, those are more nation states. There's going to be battles. And as much as we would love to say peace and flowers, battles will arise. Don't be surprised. But God is with us. And for those who have been chosen by him, we need to know that 
We don't need to be afraid because God is with us. Continuing on in verse 1. But at that time, your people, that is the Jews, shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. What's the book? Well, we found out when, when we heard that section from Revelation chapter 20. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books, plural, were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. Well, judgment according to what people had done. And the sea gave up their dead and who, on those who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Notice that there are books apparently associated with each of those who are going to be standing before the throne. Those who are alive when this thing takes place. Those who've already died. Those who were lost at sea. Those who are in the dust and in the grave. All will stand before and those books will be opened, and every aspect of their life will be revealed. We have a lot of tell-all books coming out all the time. Mostly people trying to tell all to destroy someone else's reputation. These tell-all books that come out in these days they don't match anything compared to the tell-all book that is being written on your life and on my life. And we will stand and the books will be opened. Fortunately, even though judgment comes because of what has taken place, of what's written in those books, our salvation is not associated with those books. Our salvation is tied in completely with the book, the book of life. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship the beast. Everyone whose name was not written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. Your name isn't written in the book of life you're going to probably be found to be one of those who's worshiping that beast that it talks about in the book of Revelation. If your name wasn't written before the foundation of the earth, written in the Lamb's book of life, you're in a pile of trouble. Revelation 17, verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction 
and the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, they will marvel that see the beast because it was and was not and is to come. There's this whole sense once again about those whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb. You know, to talk to people, people who have been a part of the church for, for some time in their life, or maybe just a couple days, and ask, is your name written in the book of life? Is that, is that a, maybe an important question to ask people? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I certainly hope it is. And if you talk to them, they may say, yeah, it is. Tell me about that. Well, I, back in 1957, I went to a Billy Graham crusade. I was so impacted that, that I walked down front and I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins, to come into my life. My name at that time was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. For some others, they might say, yeah, when I was 16 or 15, I'd gone through an immense time of study in God's Word, and, and I stood in front of God and His people, and I confirmed the faith that I had in Jesus. I know at that time, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, for some people, confirmation is a real turning point in their life where they stand and say, this is my faith. I will not be moved. Thanks be to God. For some others, it may be, you know, I, I don't really remember intellectually but I know that my parents brought me to the Lord in baptism. When I was so weak, when I couldn't walk, when I couldn't talk, my spokes lovingly spoke for me. They gave me to the Lord. And I know at that time my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the testimony of my mother, now 97 years old. My mom cannot remember a time in her 97 years when she hasn't known and trusted the Lord Jesus. Oh, there have been times of great new understandings and excitement, but she cannot think of a time where she hasn't known the saving grace of our Savior. Even in the midst of the times when her favorite grandmother in Great Depression, during the Great Depression, ended her own life in her closet, my mom's closet. The one who talked to her and told her about Jesus and sang those songs from Sunday school, and yet she ended her own life. That was a rocky time for that young woman who became my mother. But she didn't give up trusting the Lord. And new experience of God's grace flowing in and giftings that God had given. And, and her growth was phenomenal. But she still can't remember a time when she hasn't known the Lord Jesus 
knowing that every step upon the way in her life, her name was written in the Lamb's book of life. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, can I give you a hint of when it happened? Here's what Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians. This is beginning first chapter, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before God said, let there be light, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus says, you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear much fruit and that your fruit would abide, it would remain, it would continue on. Yeah, each of those other times in our life are, are times when we ratify, when we acknowledge that God has done it and when we can say, at that time, my name was written in the book of life we might be technically correct, but maybe more correct is at that time I came to realize that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life because he chose me before he spun the entire creation into existence. He gifted me with his spirit breathed into me faith and life so that I could say, yes, Jesus, I trust in you. You are my only hope. You are the one. Your book of life is what has given me life. Back to that Revelation 13, 8, where it says, all who dwell on earth will worship the beast and everyone whose name was not written before the foundation of the world. That same truth that Paul talked about is what John writes about in the book of Revelation. Year, a couple weeks ago, I was telling you that one of the things that God used in cleansing my heart and my mind was during those awkward times combining and the itchy stuff coming in, the bad wind, and I would have my mind washed over and over going through with those words of the Nicene Creed. I would step, as it were, out of the itchiness and pain of that long half-mile drive in bad wind to refresh my mind with the truth of what God has done. Well, there's another creed that we use and, well, maybe don't use so much, but, but it is a part of what we acknowledge as Christians rooted within the Lutheran tradition. And that's the Athanasian Creed. 
and I'll let you know. One of the heroes for me in the Christian faith is Athanasius, who became bishop uh, of Alexandria in Egypt. He was one of the stars at the Nicene Council in 325. Wonderful man of God. And, and the truth that he embraced about God, who is Trinity, Jesus, who is fully and completely God and eternal God, even as he's fully human. That which he stood up for at the Nicene Council. Well, centuries later, the Nicene Creed, which adopted what Athanasius taught, became a creed. And in part, and if, if you haven't noticed it before, I'd spend some time maybe in the next week. Uh, it's in your hymnal. And if you got one at home, great. If you don't, spend a little time borrowing one. Bring it back, but borrow it. It begins on page 105 in the front, and it begins, whoever wishes to be saved must, above all else, hold to the true Christian faith and whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will, without doubt, perish eternally. Life and eternal death. And this is the Christian faith. And it goes on and talks a whole pile about the Trinity, about Jesus, who he was and what he did, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and finally, when it comes to the very end of the Athanasian Creed, and I always referred to it in the churches I served as the Pack-a-Lunch Creed, because it is so long you got to pack a lunch when, you, when you're going to use this one. It's going to take a while to go through it. But, but it ends with these words. For just as the reasonable soul and flesh are one man, so God and man are one Christ who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. Sounds very familiar. At his coming, all men will arise with their bodies and give an account of their own deeds. All people, the righteous, and the unrighteous will experience resurrection, will arise in their bodies to give an account for their deeds. Hmm, where do those accounts come from? Oh, the books. Those who've done good will enter eternal life. Those who've done evil will go into everlasting fire. Now, this is the true Christian faith, and unless a man believed this firmly and faithfully, he cannot be saved. Did you hear what it said? Because for those of us, maybe with our Lutheran Christianity deeply steeped in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, some of those words might come to us a wee bit uncomfortably. Those who have done good will enter eternal life. Those who have done evil will go into eternal fire. Does that sound like works righteousness to anyone? If it does, raise your hand. 
Nobody. You're a lot better than I am. Because I struggled that for a long time. But it's interesting, Luther, as he talks about the Athanasian Creed, and, and he knew it well, during his monastic decades, he sang or chanted the Athanasian Creed in its fullness every day before lunch. He knew not only what it said, but how to sing it. And, and here's what Luther says about the Athanasian Creed. It is the finest creation of man since the days of the apostles. Since scripture has been written, there is nothing finer talking about the Christian faith than the Athanasian Creed. So how do we deal with that question and that strugglesome thing? Those who do good, eternal life. Those who do evil, eternal fire. How do we deal with it? I think we go back to the words of Jesus. Where Jesus says, by their fruits, you will know them. A good tree is not going to produce bad fruit. A bad tree is not going to produce good fruit. There is a time it's going to happen when judgment will take place on not only the deeds, but the thoughts and the intentions which no one else can see. Everything about our life will meet the scrutiny of the one who is truth. There's no escaping it. But that judgment is not a judgment to life and salvation. My wife is a phenomenal quilter. Years ago, probably seven, eight years ago now, she placed one of her quilts to be judged in the Monterey Bay Quilting Guild. And she was really looking forward to being judged by this group of judges so she could get the complete understanding of what she could have done better. In a sense, Gail was a bit disappointed when the judgment came back. Because the judges unanimously declared hers to be the best in class for that style of quilt. And when it came to negative judgments, zero. Nothing that she could have done better. It was phenomenal. She was judged. Brothers and sisters, you and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our life is going to be judged. Don't think judgment automatically means condemnation. It may mean correction. And it may be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Paul, to the Corinthians, uh, the third chapter. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each one's work will become manifest. 
for the day, that's the day of judgment, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has done is built on a foundation that survives, he's going to receive a reward. Anyone's work is burned up, he's going to suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but it's only as one passing through fire. You see, those things that our lives do are thoughts and intentions that don't match up. They're going to be judged by fire, and the great thing that God, fire does is it destroys it. It is no more. When, when that day of resurrection comes, and if I am dead before that day of resurrection comes, and that's not a disappointment for me, because I find out that those who are dead in Christ are going to rise first, even before those who are caught up in the rapture to meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> those who've died before Jesus' coming, they get cuts in line. And when I arise in that new, glorified, reconstituted body, I'm not going to have a titanium plate that's holding my neck together from where I broke it 12 years ago. That titanium plate doesn't make the resurrection. But my reconstituted, perfect resurrection body does. With all my garbage, all my failings, and everything else burnt away. And the same is true for each of us who are trusting the promises of God and Jesus Christ. All the garbage, all the failures, all the misspoken words, all the thoughts and intentions that didn't match up to God's perfection, they're going to be burnt away or washed in the blood so that it doesn't show up in the Lamb's book of life. Let's go back to Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame and contempt. We all will give an account. We may have excuses to make, I was focused on me. Lord, I was focused on my reputation. I was embarrassed and I didn't want anyone else to know. All of that's going to be revealed. The truth of everything about us, God already knows. It's not as if God is on the outside looking and wondering. Jesus is inside. And he knows our innards better than we do. And still chose to call you and me his own. Those who've done good, eternal life. Those who've done evil, and the worst evil that we could ever do is to reject that wonderful gift of grace and mercy that God offers us in Jesus. Those to eternal fire. Verse 3, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. Those who turn many righteous like the stars forever and ever. Again, those words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine 
so that those around you are going to see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. He also talks about it the other way in Mark 9, verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. You see, the, the witness we bear can go several different ways. Glory to God or destruction of the tenderness of people's hearts who are drawn toward him. The takeaway for what I would hope for you and for me this day is one, realize that there is a day coming. The end will take place. It may be in our lifetime, or we may get cuts in line ahead of those who are raptured when it came in their time. The end is going to come. Everything about our lives is known by God, and it will be revealed. But the phenomenal thing is that for those of us who trust in Jesus for life and salvation, our name is written in that Lamb's book of life. And no matter what those other books say about us, it's Jesus who says, He's mine. She's mine. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has chosen you. Everyone you can, I invite you to say yes to him. And I would pray, Lord Jesus, even now, that you would give to each of us the grace that we need to believe your promises, and even, Lord, when we have fallen, fall short of what your desire is. Help us to realize that you have not fallen short. That you are there for us to lead us and to guide us. To speak your words of promise to those of us who've had our names written in your book. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Prepare our hearts, Lord, even in the midst of our failures, to listen for your voice. I pray, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. A quick question. Do you have one more song? We'll save that till the very end then. I'm going to invite you to stand as we, we join for a time of prayer. And Again, I would invite you, the things that God would put in your heart, to vocally lift them before the Lord in prayer. I'd ask you to do it in a loud voice, uh, not because God's hard of hearing, but some of us are, and would love to join together with you in the prayers and petitions that you may offer. As we close that time of prayer, we'll close it with the Lord's Prayer. So as his people... Let's come before his throne and let's pray. Mighty God and Father, we thank you that you love to hear your children speak to you. That we come to you not in our righteousness, Lord, but, but in the very righteousness and holiness of Jesus. 
coming as your children, as it were, crawling on your lap and speaking to you, dear loving Father, to hear our prayers. We pray that you would send your spirit to help us in our weakness because, frankly, Lord, it's easy for us to pray what we want and miss what you want us to pray. So guide us in this time together, I pray. Father, right now, I would look before you, the call committee, in the, in the hard, prayerful work that they are about at this time. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give to them an understanding of, of the people here at, at Elam, but more importantly, Lord, an understanding of what you would have for this place in the, in the months and the years that go forward. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be preparing the heart of a pastor and that pastor's family to, to listen to you, Lord, and, and come to this foreign mission world in the crazy Northwest to minister here the truth of your gospel and the power of your grace. Holy Spirit, minister favorably, we pray, in this whole call process. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for uh, the uh, intervention that you've been doing in days, our son David's life, that uh, appetite is returning and uh, strength is increasing. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that the, uh, um, the drainage that continues to come from him would begin to, to slow down and that they might continue to, to be able to remove tubes post-surgery. Thank you for your faithfulness and love. Father, we'd also pray uh, your protection and grace upon those who have uh, taken upon themselves by your grace the ministry of, of guarding and protecting us as a people in our communities. 
You think of those who are on the front lines, uh, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians that are working in the medical field. Uh, protect them, Lord, from any opportunistic bug that maybe uh, uh, would attack their immune systems. We pray for those who help to, to deliver services that minister health and grace by your mercy. We pray for those who are uh, on the front lines against chaos, law enforcement, paramedics, firefighters. And Lord, as they have become such a, a focus of hatred and wickedness against them, we pray for your protection, Lord, that you would give to them sober and sane judgments in their interactions with the public. And I would pray, Lord Jesus, that you would change the hearts of those who seek to destroy, Lord, hinder the wickedness, pour forth your peace and grace. So, Father, it's these things that we've lifted with our voices as well as those that we've spoken to you quietly in our own hearts and minds. We entrust them to you in the glorious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, who taught his people to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite you now to open your hands, to open your hearts and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, lead us in worship. Our final song for you today is called Yesterday, Today, and Forever.
Go in peace and firmly share the elbow of fellowship. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>